Okay, guys, welcome back. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Chasing Heroin on this day. My name is Janine, and this is my co-host, Kim. Hi, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. And before we get to our guest today, who I'm super excited to have, it's a friend of mine. His name is Chris Stewart, a.k.a. Chris Hollywood. We're so excited to have him on the podcast. We wanted to do, Kim and I discussed doing a quick editor's note about last week's episode. I made a comment about my ex Mm -hmm. and I said something really bratty along the lines of, he was an idiot. All of the hustles were my ideas. (laughs) And for one thing, I meant to actually take that out, but we do all the editing ourselves and my eyeballs were like bleeding Wednesday, 3 Mm -hmm. a.m. I knew I needed to release it and I I missed it. So in my defense, (laughs) I was going to cut it and forgot. But being that it's there, what I want to say, and I think this is important, is that my ex's story is his own to tell. And it is tragic. And his using was born of some trauma and then some, you know, he was an enlisted Marine. He fought overseas in Afghanistan multiple times. Mm -hmm. And he has his own sad story. I don't want to call the guy an idiot. But more importantly than that, nothing that happened to me and nothing that I did was his fault. And I want to make sure that that's really clear. The guy introduced me to heroin, yes. However, the average girl meets a guy, finds out the guy is strung out on heroin, doesn't stick around to see how that story ends. I was already an addict in nature, in disposition. Mm-hmm. And I want to make sure that I take full accountability and responsibility for all of my actions and all the things that he and I went through together. Mm-hmm. Those are squarely on my shoulders. And I just don't want that little comment that I made to have left anybody with the impression that I'm blaming him for anything because I'm not. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, I just we just want to make sure that we got that out there before we got started this yeah. week. Thanks for doing that. I feel like you're pretty good at just like owning your shit. You know yeah. I, mean? you, I try to, you're like, I did this. I chose to do that. Right. And I think that's part of like recovery. It is part of recovery. And that's why I wanted to make sure that I identified that because a lot of people start using because of somebody that they're in a relationship with. Mm-hmm. And it becomes very hard to break that pattern in early recovery of not what well, we think once this person is out of the equation, I'm not actually an addict. And mm-hmm. I believe that I thought mm-hmm. once I wasn't with him anymore. And once I wasn't on heroin, that I would be fine. But of course, you know, we've gotten into previous episodes that that is not the case, that previous to doing heroin, I did coke and was an alcoholic for years and years and years. Mm-hmm. It just wasn't, you know, heroin bad, yeah. <laughs> which is its own special type of misery. Yes. <laughs> but my life was not progressing. I was not the best. I was not, even though we hate this cliche, living my best life <laughs> at all. So we, I just want to make sure that I say that. I doubt he ever listens to the show. But if he does, <laughs> you're not an idiot. Don't sue me. Okay. <laughs> Okay, so uh, with that said, we want to go ahead and uh, introduce you to our guest, Chris, and I'll let him take it away with a little introduction about himself and what he's got going on, which is a lot. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Gene, first off, thanks so much for having me on the show today. Uh, It's always an honor to do any kind of work with you. You know, I also love supporting people that are in recovery, that are have, have transformed their lives, not only just from an addict standpoint, but into a actual pillar of the community where now, you know, you have this great studio of wellness. And I mean, I'm, there's so many things you do. I don't want to leave anything else. So I'll just leave it at that. But, you know, you have spin class, you have weights, you have, you know, everything. And it's in, you know, you're a, a member of the community that helps other people and people don't even know that story. Right. So then when they find out the story behind it, then they're like even more like, oh, this is amazing. Like we want to oh, support you. you. Right. Thank so you. I love that because I, I really value the things that, you know, have happened in my life that way as well. You know, that's always been a big thing of mine. My uh, my mission statement is to change the way that the world views addicts mm-hmm. and the way that addicts view recovery. 
And what that looks like is that, you know, in my personal life, which has included, I mean, since, you know, I've gotten sober, uh, so many amazing things have happened, right? I, I, I get to be, I'm a motivational public speaker. I travel a country. Uh, you know, I have my own YouTube channel. I wrote a book. I have, you know, all these things that, well, that doesn't make me a better person. It's just, those are the opportunities I've had to be able to share my story of recovery on a platform that not a lot of people uh, are blessed enough to, to get to that level and, and really kind of, I don't want to say normalize it because there's nothing really normal about it, but it's in a way that gives other people hope, right? Yes. Like little uh, plug here, you know, if you want to follow me on Insta, you know, my, my, my name on Insta is number one hope dealer, right? Yes. Like the number one and the hope dealer, because that's really what I, I try and do. And, and back to the mission statement, you know, it's like, we, how do we change the, the way that the world views addicts? Well, we quit acting like addicts. Yes. First of all, that's a big thing, you know, like just taking away the alcohol or the drugs doesn't create you into a good person, right? There's so much work, I'm sure, and Kim can speak to this as well from a psychologist's point of view, that we have to do to change anything. And that goes with any type of addiction, right? Like when I say addicts, I don't just mean heroin addicts, and I don't just mean crystal meth addicts. I mean, people that are addicted to relationships, right? People that are addicted to food, people that are addicted to drugs, alcohol, uh, you know, so many different things that, that we get into. Mm -hmm. And- yeah. And, and the second part of that is right. Is like, how do we make recovery cool enough for people? You know, I don't even cool is the right world, but expansive enough, I guess, to include everybody, but also to let people go like this is a better way, right? Not this yeah. is a more boring way or this is yes. a way that, that, you know, most people get it, you know, they come into these meetings or whatever. And, you know, there's so many other ways to not necessarily stay sober but to get sober then is as we're starting to see so many different avenues than just walking into one aa meeting you can't just like or, or whatever you know anonymous meeting it would be right you can't just value or base your entire recovery on one meeting that you went to at six o'clock somewhere in a random church yes or wherever Agreed. you know on a Agreed. tuesday night right yeah. yep the same way as i can't go into a restaurant and decide that like oh all mexican food is going to be crappy because right. i went into a Mexican restaurant that wasn't that good or, right. or you know, right. understand what I'm saying, broad strokes here. Yeah. But anyway, so there's that, but yeah, there's a long winded introduction. Good no, 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 no. <laughs> I love how you said that. That's actually, that's exactly what, what I'm trying to do too, is show that, show the average addict hope. That's why the premise of the podcast is how low we were, what, what heights we can rise to after where we were. And not only just how low we were, that that's not even a time that we have to write off. We point out something that came out of that time right. because it can actually be such a beautiful time of growth mm -hmm. and it doesn't just have to be right off in our minds. Yeah. Hope, hope that's, that's our whole message also mm -hmm. is hope. So given that that's the format of the message, Chris actually has uh, an event that he's going to share with us. It was October. I don't know the year. What was, do you know the year? Do you remember the year? Sure. The, uh, the year, uh, yeah, I can't forget this was the year was <laughs> 2001. Okay use and, and drink every day of my life from the time I was about 15 years old till at this point I would have been 30. Uh, yeah, almost 31. And, you know, and what happened is I had gotten married and, you know, I'd played in rock and roll bands and I'd done all this stuff and lived in different cities and, and, you know, just kind of everywhere I went there, I was, you know, and, and, oh, and I wasn't trying to get sober. I was trying to be Nikki six from Motley Crue. Right. Mm -hmm. And so like, there was no sobriety or whoever Sid vicious. I mean, like you yeah. put in whatever, 
raggedy bass player that just looked cool but had really nothing in his heart or soul except for just to be famous because he's making up for past childhood trauma. We won't even go into that. I'm just saying, let's be honest, that's where it came from, right? I want to be famous and show everybody how you messed up by not being my friend. But um, I think so many addicts feel that way secretly. Of course, yeah. I wanted to be famous too. Yeah. And um, so, but anyway, I had I had met this this wonderful woman who I am still friends with today and, and we got married and you know and we had bought a house and in, in, in Culver City uh which is like right on the border of Santa Monica and uh you know and I thought I had it made right because I had like dropped out of school at 15 right moved to Hollywood with like a, a base and a skateboard and and here I am 15 years later and she was a you know an executive at Activision Video Game Company and we lived in this house we bought this house and when I say we, I mean, you know, her and her things like that. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I mean, like, I, don't, I didn't really contribute much financially. That wasn't my deal. But the whole point was that, you know, so I had it made. All of a sudden, like, I had everything that I wanted in life. I had this beautiful wife, and we loved spending time with each other. And we had a cool 50s house that we bought from, like, the original owner. And it came with all the furniture, and we were in the rockabilly and all this stuff. So, so it was cool. like, you know, it was like such a rare thing. I had my own, like, barbecue pin on the backyard mm-hmm. and my own garage. And I'm like... Finally, you're right. I hadn't I arrived it. with the drugs, but I'm like, I got to get rid of all the drugs and alcohol because if not, I'm going to screw up my life because like you can't become, you know, I had this image of me becoming like the ultimate house husband, like community leader, you know, wearing the yeah. same suits I wear now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, oh, look, yeah, there's the good fellas neighbor. Hey, how you yeah. doing? You know, yeah. I'm having a barbecue. Everybody come over. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> that, that guy, right? I was wanting to be that guy. Yeah. And so, I, you know, I said, okay, listen, I'm going to quit this, right? And that's really when my trouble started because- if you don't admit that you want to quit, then nobody holds you responsible. Then they're just like, well, there he is. Here he comes. Put all the stuff away. Right. Don't, you know, don't let Chris have any more shots. Don't give Chris any more cocaine or whatever's right. going down. Mm-hmm. But they already know what to expect. If you come across and you say, hey, I've quit that. I've changed my life. Then you can't go back. You know right. what I mean? like, why are you doing this? You right. said you weren't going to do this. Right. I'm like, well, I thought I wasn't. I'm not really sure. Do you ever get to this day? I So now we've got this podcast. And I'm like, man, I hope I don't decide I want to drink again one day because now I put out this podcast and oh, yeah. I'm an alcoholic. Do you ever think that sometimes? Like oh, in the yeah. very back of my mind, I'm like, oh, man, now I'm really done. Yeah. You know? No, it's true. And, and I mean, and, I still and that can that be a, a different show. But the because I, I think that it, it does, you have to really get through that. And, you know, I've yes. gone through enough things, you know, because, I mean, let's be honest. Okay, so this is back in 2001. Right. It's now 2020. Right. And I got seven years sobriety. Right. So what's that tell you? Right. That's right. not, a, well, in, you know, in a business world, as you are a businesswoman, uh, they call that a ROI, right? Return on investment. If you looked at a business that had no. 20 years and only had seven years success, you would not invest in that. I just want to point <laughs> that from my Wall Street Journal friends out there, of which I also am a part. That is not a business I would ever invest in. I would not yeah. invest in the business of Chris. My Stewart. ROI is that guy stinks. Too. I mean, it's very yeah. like 30%. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but so get back to this, you know, and I'll kind of fast forward. So I had this beautiful home, this beautiful wife, a couple of dogs. Everything was great. And I'm like, okay, but I got to quit, you know, using heroin. I got to quit drinking and stuff because I want to keep this now. And then I found that when I, you know, when I could have quit, I didn't want to quit. And when I wanted to quit, I couldn't quit. So you were physically strung out on heroin at this time. Like you had to, you had to do Off heroin and on, right? Okay. Like, so I, we had gone through, cause we'd been together for seven years. So out of that seven years, probably five of it, honestly, okay. there was substance use. But like I said, but at the time it wasn't cause I was trying to be a rock and roll star mm-hmm. and that was just kind of part of the lifestyle. So I don't want you, I don't want to paint this picture of like, 
oh, I worked in like an office building and just woke up and then went down to East LA and got heroin and then right. went to work for nine hours and then came home and like mowed the lawn and folded the lawn right, and then right, took right. a shot of heroin to bed. You know what I mean? Like I was like rock and roll all the right, time. Right, you know what I mean? Right. So, um, but so what had happened is, is that there was an incident uh, on my birthday when I was trying to be sober and I, and I decided I had that little thing in the back of my head saying, you know, it's your birthday. You should celebrate just mm -hmm. a little bit. Right. And it was early in the morning and she was still asleep. And instead of going to that meeting, right, I had that weird heroin ad car, right? I went to go to the meeting, but then the car the took a left way. turn instead of a right. And Thank all you. of a sudden I'm in East Los Angeles down there, you know, hanging out with my old friends over yeah. by MacArthur Park, which isn't really a great place to yes. be. And, um, you know, and next thing you know, the gig's up and, and she caught me that day and that was it. And I got booted and all of a sudden then I, I lost that house and everything. And all of a sudden I'm in the car. And all of a sudden, I'm out of the car, and then I'm on Hollywood Boulevard, right back where I started at 15 years old, except this time I'm at, you know, 30 years old, or 31 at this point, because I just had the birthday. Obviously, that day was the day that it changed. And so this particular day, right, is, so that was in March, right? Mm -hmm. So now I've been homeless, and we're in October. So it's a long time in Hollywood. And, um, and, and the reason why I share this one is, A, because it, it happened in October, but really, it also, you know, I want to show you that it still took a long time even after this point yeah. for me to even, I don't want to say want to get sober, but for me to even think that it was possible. Yeah. Right. So like the backstory on this, and by the way, I'm not going to say anything mean about my exes because most of them do listen to everything I do. So, <laughs> and, and I don't think it's because I'm so entertaining. I think it's because they're waiting for me to slip up so they can get me. You know I, know, I, mean? like, I, I probably still owe some of them money. I'm not sure. But they're probably, they probably see me on the, on the social media like, oh, he's got money now. I don't keep listening. It's just kind of to get this guy. But um, I just want to say I love you all, and I hope you're doing well. Happy holidays to you all. I hope I see you soon. Cards in the mail. Exactly. Um, but, you know, you know, I love that. I call that laughter. I call that the sound of the undead. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it really, to me, being in recovery is laughter is a huge part of it. You me know, too. like, and you know, and you me won't too. find that in any book. And, and I don't know why, because it, it really is magical. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like you can't laugh for so long when you're in this disease of addiction, regardless of whatever it is. And there's so much guilt and shame and, and depression and anxiety in that. And, you know, and like one day you hear somebody say something ridiculous, you know, like yeah. that. And you laugh and you're like, oh, you know what? I might be okay. I'm, I'm going to yeah. be okay. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Like, here I come. There's like, it's like air. You know what I mean? I actually heard you say that at an HA meeting when I had like 30 days. Yeah. I'd gotten a ride there and you were in your suit. You were making cakes for the Tuesday night. This is also a renowned <laughs> Wait, you baker. Bake too? Oh, He's yeah. A baker. I, I, like a professional baker. That'll actually. come into <laughs> yeah. part of the story in the redemption part. Is, yeah, I do. Uh, and you I would bake cakes every Tuesday for this meeting. Uh -huh. And I was there, and he was all dressed up, just like he is now. And he baked a cake. <laughs> and, and I don't remember what story you told, but I was dying laughing. Everybody was dying laughing. <laughs> and you said, so now this was six years ago. Yeah. You said, I love that sound. That's the sound of the undead. Mm -hmm. And I started, I just teared up. Yeah. I remember you saying that. Just so you know, that had a massive impact on me when you said That's that. That's amazing. Because I remember Janine talking about how heroin took everything from all the joy from her life. She wasn't it was gone. And so I think that's so powerful to feel like I heard that. And it was like, I'm not done yet. I'm not done. Yeah. That's also why I do the podcast and talk about old experiences to bring some levity to all of it too. Because so many other shows that are out there, they focus a lot on, and this is important, this matters, but it's a lot about 
trauma healing and sure the words around that sound heavy sometimes and i think there's a lot of healing in looking at what happened because some of what we did was ridiculous mm -hmm. and kind of funny yeah. you know and i think some people are scared to like laugh about it sometimes like i even had a few friends from high school listen to it and somebody apologized for laughing and she was like i'm sorry i was just laughing the whole time and i was like no dude do like, do you hear when him? i got tackled She's by that guy in the laughing. mall that was yeah. funny like no, we got to bring some levity yeah. to, to this and so that you can see it's not like all, it was all so, you know, it's just such a sad waste of time, but anyway, right. so, sorry, go ahead. No, totally true. Um, and I agree. And you know, it's, it's interesting because I actually got that from another guy. His, uh, I called him old man, Tony, you know, cause everybody gets like a weird nickname in, in the recovery. I, or whatever. This guy, he was, uh, I don't think he's with us anymore, but he used to come uh, to me. I went to in Pacific beach and like almost 10 years ago at least. And, and he would say that too. And, you know, and I remember that was the only thing that I liked that he had to say, you know, cause he was kind of like, he was, I mean, even 10 years ago, I think he had like 35 years. Yeah. Right. So he was like, you know, every story was like, Oh, I was like John Wayne and I would drink three Budweiser's. I'm like, what is this guy talking yeah. about? Three Budweiser's? You drunk like that? What's the matter with you? You know what I mean? I'm, I'm over here. I'll just, you know, coming out of the Motley Crue school of like, you know, burning hell. And this guy's coming with a couple well, yeah, of beers. I'm like, Budweiser. right. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, so anyway, but I want to give him credit for that too, because I've just held on to that. I've never seen him probably in like at least eight or nine years, but uh, it's just, that's how we get these things and, and it helps yeah. other people, right? So I yeah. uh, hope everybody appreciates the impact you have in the world today, regardless of wherever you're at in your life or your recovery. But um, so I guess let's jump into the story. Yes. Let's talk about that because in March, right, then I'm completely homeless and now we're in the month of October, right? So it's a long time to be like completely homeless, right? I stayed on a few couches that didn't work out because obviously once I crossed that line of getting kicked out, right? Then it's just about like, well, now I actually need the drugs because I don't want to face what I've done. And plus, I don't know how to handle it emotionally, personally, yeah. you know, which I didn't know at the time. We'll talk more about that. Um, so, you know, however many months that is, like six months later, um, you know, this, like what, this is what my life's like. So I'm like sleeping in the bushes off Hollywood Boulevard. Right. And it's like, right where I started when I first moved to LA back when I was 15 and here it is 15 years later. And I'm like, wow, what a waste of my life. You know what I mean? Like I had it all and I gave it all away, so yeah. to speak. Right. I never say I lost it because I didn't, I gave it away. And, um, you know, and one day I found myself and I, I, I call this my day of crap. You know, it's like, it was like seven o'clock in the morning, maybe six thirty, seven o'clock in the morning. And, I kind of woke up and, you know, and I got my hair in there and I got like a little pint of vodka, right? And, and I'm just looking through the bushes at, at all the dogs walking by and the people. And I'm like thinking like, what has happened to me? You know, like I was saying, how did I end up here? You know what I mean? Like yeah. I used to be just like those people and regardless yeah. of what I wanted to be in life, you know, like I was raised in a, in a good home and, yeah. and and things like that. You know, my parents were missionaries and I was like, you know, I mean, like they'd been different things, but then they'd become missionaries. And, and so I was just sitting there. And so I'm, I'm there and, I, and I'm like cooking up a shot of heroin, right? And like a bottle cap, because that's where I'm at. So I'm drinking like Mickey's Big Mouth. So I got the big <laughs> bottle cap, right? Because that's just how I'm living. And it was between that and like the Wendy's bathroom. But that day I didn't have a quarter, you know, because you need a quarter to get yeah. into the bathroom. And that's a whole nother story. But And um. I come, but, you know, I'm sitting there and I'm doing and the whole time I'm trying to get this thing together, I'm like surrounded by flies. Right. And I'm like, why are there all these flies? This is so aggravating because usually when you live in L.A., right, like is, you know, if you know, like there's a lot of flies already and bugs and everything. When you're laying in the bushes, there's a whole lot of stuff, but trash, you know, you're surrounded by aluminum foil and trash wrappers, all this stuff. And 
And, um, you know, like this is homelessness at its finest, right? Yeah. And, and I couldn't figure out why there was all these flies. And I'm like, it's only 7 o'clock in the morning, right? So there should be no flies yet. It's not warm enough, right? Uh -huh. And, like, I go and I put my hand down and I look. And, like, there's this huge pile of, like, that I didn't notice the night before of dog poop, right? Like, like literally, like, inches from my head that I've been laying in all night long. Didn't oh even notice goodness. it, right? Because I'm so out of it, you know what I mean? And I'm like, you know what? And, and so I started to get upset that I couldn't get high and enjoy myself because of the flies. And I'm like, all right, you know what? I have another spot. I'm going to go to that. Mm -hmm. So I load up all my little gear, right? Get my little shopping cart going push my shopping cart 715 across the city of Hollywood, right? The big rock star, right? Just hoping I don't see people. So much change. Oh I just like God. wear a hat over my thing, like a I don't know what I look like, but and, and I so I went over to this other place off of Sunset. And it was behind this like office building and there was like these two dumpsters. And you could move the dumpster and then go behind the dumpster and it would be totally cool, right? Mm -hmm. And oh I say totally cool. I yeah. mean for a homeless junkie, it was totally cool because you felt like you were in your own little world for right. a few minutes. But really, it was, you know, it was just, you're behind a dumpster oh shooting air. So it wasn't really that yeah, cool. You know? I don't want to make like, it sound, yeah. Cool? I don't really want to make it sound, yeah. If you're looking for a cool place to hang out in L.A., this ain't a destination location. <laughs> but, so I remember that I went, I go over there, and I see that, you know, there's like, you know, and the office building, it was, I don't know, it must have been some kind of like tech building or something. Because like all the cars were like Range Rovers and stuff, you know, like, yeah. it was like and everybody that came out looked, you know, like how I look now, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it was like very professional. But this was like on the back side of it. And so most of them, you know, they didn't come out. And so I remember I go over there and I pulled the dumpster behind. And there on the ground is a big pile of poop. Right. <laughs> and this time it ain't dog. And I know it's not dog. Oh, right. No. And I'm like, you know what? What did I what did I do to deserve this? Right. I go from the bushes and dog poop to my dumpster and human poop. And I'm just trying to get high to get through the day. Right. Like I'm not trying to solve rocket science here i'm not trying to like become president i'm just really just trying to block out everything in my life right so i decide well you know what this is my life i deserve this so i walked behind the dumpster and i kind of straddled the pile of human poo and i got ready to do my thing and as i'm sitting there just about ready to you know inject all of a sudden the door opens from the office building right like it was one of those doors where, like you press you know like the metal bar yeah, so you can hear it open you know what i mean and and I and I kind of look, like peek around the corner of the dumpster, and the guy's coming with like a bag of trash, right? And I'm like, what? Oh no! And, and the thought goes through my head, and this is why you don't understand this if you've ever been like this. But my the, my challenge wasn't that the guy was catching me with my arm tied off, ready to shoot him. It was that he was going to think that pile of poop was mine. Right? I'm like, no, that's like this was here when I got here, right? Like, <laughs> messed up is that to even say but i'm like you know like that's where i was at i'm like like oh don't worry about the you know like me shooting up hair when you bear behind your office like but the poop wasn't mine it was here before i got here and uh you know i'll be gone in a minute but just so you know it's not mine you yeah. know what i mean like and and, and I, so now i'm terrified and i'm just like frozen in fear oh right God. like with my back pictures like back against the brick wall squatted <laughs> down over a pile of human poop with your arm tied off trying to shoot down just at like eight o'clock in the morning on a Tuesday. Morning. This is where my life's at. I feel pretty yeah. good about it. They're probably gonna go to the gym after, maybe take some selfies. I don't know. Maybe get a smoothie. I don't know. The whole day's like this last oh to do. And luckily, like then all of a sudden, like his phone rings, right? Like he's like 10 feet from the oh dumpster. And his phone rings and he picked, he's like, Hello. He's like, Oh yeah, hold on. He goes, I forgot to send that to you or something, something like that, where he had to turn around and go back in. So he left the, like the trash like in front of the dumpster or whatever and, and ran back inside. Because he had to get something, you know, right away. And, uh, you know, and then I was able to, to finish and just literally run out of that parking lot 
and and go about the rest of my day you know yeah. what i mean which was just another experience in itself but collecting bottles right to take back this how you made money when you're homeless right you collect bottles out of trash cans and, and it was like you know bottle day or whatever and so i did that and i remember i took back the bottles and and uh and i went up to this guy that i owed some money to right another homeless guy and it was like literally two bucks he had bought me a beer like the day before and i said hey jimmy listen man here's that two bucks i owe you right because you know i had like i don't know whatever it was i got eight dollars that day or something and he was like don't, he goes chris don't worry about it you keep it you need it more than i do oh my god and i remember being so indignant like how dare you sir you know what <laughs> I, I mean like do you know who i am <laughs> like this is just a part of my story like when i'm famous in about two weeks from now when the, rec when the record label calls back right and when all these people want to do a live story and when i meet charles bukowski and have oh a coffee in about 10 minutes from now i'm gonna make sure you don't get in the book all right oh my god and uh, i remember this was down on like la brea because you know i've been walking around all day and la brea and, and like uh, beverly i think it was there was a ralph's grocery store that had one of those little recycling bins and I walked around the corner and I looked in the, the window, you know, like a store window. And I literally thought somebody was trying to attack me, like, because I didn't recognize myself. Oh, my God. Right. Like, I, I like I, I turned around real quick because I thought that there was somebody like behind me trying to jump me. And I and I recognize and I look and I, I had to touch my face. and be like, Oh, my God. Oh, no. Like, that is me. I'm like, oh, no, Jimmy was right. Like, I've become that guy. Right. I went from being that guy, life this of the party. Guy. Mr. Charismatic, Mr. Whatever that looked like, uh, to like an unrecognizable shell of a human being. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh and and that was kind of a whole part of the process of where, you know, I went and I, I had to go to the public library because I had nothing to really get a hold of anybody at that point. Right. right? There was no phones, it was all pay phones and things yeah. like that. And and uh, you know, and so I went to the public library where I had to wait in line because of the Hollywood public library. I don't know if anybody's ever been there, but it's not really like a library. It's no, like it's a homeless, homeless shelter. shelter. Yeah, yeah, exactly. right? So you had to wait in line and then you got like 10 minutes on the computer once a day. That's yeah. all you got. Like, that was it. <laughs> so I got my 10 minutes and I, and I fired off an, an email to my sister and I said, Hey, listen, like I really need some help. Like things have taken a turn. And, um, but then I couldn't get a response because I only had 10 minutes. You know what I mean? So I had yeah. to leave. And then I had to hang out all day and all night. And then, you know, I basically slept on the, the library steps that night. So I could be one of the first people in line yeah. at seven. And then went in and she, uh, my sister's a lawyer and I love her to death. But so she sent me back like all these things, right? It was like a document. Okay. Well, we'll help you and you can come live with us. But here's, the, here's what you have to do. You can't do this. Yeah. This where you come to the house. Can't do this. Got to go to this. Got to do that. Like that. Sign this, return it. And then we'll talk. Yeah. Right. I'm yeah. Like, okay. Oh, that's so at that point, I'm like, okay, here you go. So. I did that and uh and that's where we were right and then uh you know there's more to the story a little bit but basically that was right around in october and then we cut it off uh or like about a week later then i actually had a plane ticket and i left hollywood but kim and did it open up the floor to you do you have anything for for chris at this time yeah for sure I was wondering if you could talk more about, uh, I was really picturing in my head when you walked by that Ralph's window, what you can take yourself back to that. What came up when you saw your reflection? Um, Cause I know you mentioned being surprised, but if you could talk more about it. Yeah, no, that's a great question because I think you hear this a lot in not just in recovery, but in life. You know, when, when mm -hmm. people are like, do you like the person that you see in the mirror mm -hmm. on a daily basis, right? And it doesn't matter, right? Like, I mean, I know people that are Wall Street 
stockbrokers that make, you know, literally almost billionaires. And, and they'll come to me with the same thing and say, I, I don't like the man I become. Like, how can you tell? Like, when I look in the mirror, I can't even look at myself, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. And taking myself back to that, you got to remember, like, for everybody, I don't know if you can identify with this, but I come from, like, my dream home with my dream woman six months previous. And before that, I had spent 15 years trying to be a rock and roll star. Right. So like my entire image was based on my face. Mm -hmm. And when I say face, I mean like my actual literal face, but just my, my, you know, like every, like I was brought up in a way that like, you know, like I think Mariah Carey says this, I'll make a little quick joke, but like I never left the house in sweatpants. I don't even own sweatpants right. still to this day. Like you will never catch Good me in sweatpants. Good for you. Right. <laughs> I mean, and, and, and I don't mean that negative. He's fully suited yeah. in a suit or yeah. out now, just so you guys yeah. know. But, but, Janine and I are in sweatpants. With the pocket. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Pocket square, square. Yeah. Oh my God. I just saw that. <laughs> but, but, and, and the whole thing was, is the reason why is because if you wanted to be a rock star, you dress like a rock star all sure. the time. Like mm -hmm. you didn't like leave the house in sweats and like look at this. And then you came back and dressed up to be honest. It's like, you were just like that all, all the, the time. time. Right. Mm -hmm. And so when I hit the streets like that, like in my head, right, that ego, right. And when I say ego, I don't mean like the boastful ego, but that ego that protects you mm -hmm. was still saying, Hey man, you're still going to be famous. Don't yeah. let your wife's bad decision to kick you out of the house or, or don't let so-and-so don't let your dad. That was a big one for me. Like, don't like, cause you had a crappy dad. Don't, you know, mm -hmm. let that, like, this is your, this is just, you know, every cool rock star has a down and out story. This is yours. Like, yeah. You're still cool, bro. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. And mm -hmm. so I think what it was when I saw my face in that window that day was like, Oh no. Yeah. Like I'm that person. Like yeah. I've actually become, like there's no, I can't hide behind this anymore. Like I'm not the pretty face, like all glammed up, yeah. like with it hiding my heroin habit or hiding my alcohol. Like, like now I am that shot out yes. bomb hobo yeah. like that looks like I belong under the bridge. Yeah. And I'm like, Oh no, mm -hmm. like it's happened. Like, and then I got scared. Cause I'm like, yeah. I'm not, I don't want to be that. Like, like, you know, drugs and alcohol for me were always the solution, but in the same way, I didn't ever want to be an addict. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't, you know, I didn't know that it would turn on you like that. You yeah. know what I mean? It was just about having fun. Like, That's an earth shattering you know? moment. It is. Mm -hmm. for, and I think, and it's the same thing where I think when people look in the mirror and they don't like who they are, a lot of times it's, it's women in relationships. I hear this a lot because I work with a lot of women where like they look and they're like, I can't keep this lie up anymore. Like I'm not this person that people think I am. Yeah. Or, you know, with successful businessmen that I work with as well is, is when they look at, they're like, they realize like, however much money they have like it didn't buy them what they wanted to buy right which right. was like integrity or you know love right i mean that's basically what everybody wants is like when you can look in the mirror and and you don't love yourself and you turn fill yourself full of anything from heroin to money to cars to homes to other people and then you still look in the mirror and you're like uh-oh yeah that didn't work mm -hmm. now yeah. what right yeah yeah and and it's like that core emptiness that you get right that's beyond human aid as we like to say in the recovery rooms but for anybody it's like that's when you realize like oh my gosh like okay i gotta change something quick because yeah like uh, it's gonna take a long time to rebuild from where i'm at yeah. now right like mm -hmm. you know what though i think that's a really important moment though because that's where some of the humility starts mm -hmm. i think that's really important and this is not something i've even remembered for a while but i just remembered i was at a detox facility the one that i talk about here all the time the one in vista and I'd been there for a few days and I overheard some of the girls saying they didn't want to get in the shower after me mm. because I was so gross. I'd been homeless for a long time. I had like this dreadlock in my hair and 
and one of the house manager had to pull me aside and say, Hey, we need you to be showering with hot water and soap and mm -hmm. bleaching. Mm -hmm. Somebody was telling me wow. how to shower mm -hmm. yeah. me. And that was a, that's also when it started to sink in. We've talked about this. This was my second time at that facility, not the first time in which I was still relatively physically unscathed. Mm -hmm. The second time that was no longer the case. I was a full on homeless person. That, and that was, I think that's an important moment though. Yeah. I mean, obviously it was for you because you remember it. But the other thing I want to point out to you, that was 2001 for Chris. He has right. seven years now. Yeah. So those moments can add up over time because right. so many addicts feel like failures when they have these rock bottom moments that aren't actually the end. And I think that it's important to address the fact that I got six years, you've got seven years, but a lot of the rock bottoms we're talking about were not the last one that we had. Mm -hmm. And his was many years before he finally got. So anybody that's, you know, what they call, I, I don't like this term, but a chronic relapser, it's not necessarily the end of the story for you. you know? No, not at all. And, and that was part, uh, like you said, that was part of the whole deal. I mean, like, because uh, like I said, I never really considered myself an addict. I, right. I considered myself like somebody that rock star, a rock star. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's part and, of the lifestyle. Yeah. It was I kind of did you know, too with acting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that that's true. Like, and even like when I talk, like I said, like, you know, to keep bringing this up, but you know, we have like, you know, stockbrokers or things like that, like work hard, play hard. A lot of right. people have these things. And then they don't understand is that if you put this stuff in your body, there's something that goes beyond addiction where it's called chemical dependency. Right. Right. And, and that is, is like, and that's like with anything, we do the same thing with sugar and nicotine. It doesn't cause such the emotional damage as well. But for me, that was it. Because like you said, like I came back, like, so two years after that was me looking in that mirror, unable to do myself, I was a firefighter. Mm -hmm. Really? Right. Yeah. I didn't know you were a firefighter yeah. at one point. So, so like, yeah. That's so cool. like I had moved back to the East Coast, yeah. gone sober, went to meetings, got a sponsor who happened to be a fire chief, decided, you know what, I've been through so much stuff in my life. What's better than a rock star? Firefighter. <laughs> That's what I'm going to do, right? Because yeah. uh, I think addicts also have this like insatiable appetite for success. And recognition. And recognition and, you know, and somewhat entitlement. I know we've talked about that. But so I was like, why wouldn't I be a firefighter at 35 right. years old after I was a homeless heroin act, right? <laughs> why not? Yeah. And and so, you know, like I had gone through and, and got these things and, and was riding in ambulances and, and all these things. And, and and but then I made the mistake of telling myself, like, you know, I don't even think I was that bad. Like it was Hollywood. Yeah. It was being a rock star. It was this and that. Like, yeah. I mean, you know. It what didn't was, have that much to do with me. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Like, you're right. You disassociate yeah. from that. And I'm like, oh. You know what? I was an addict, but not really. Right. I mean, you know, if right. I only really would have been able to stay at home, I probably could have kicked on my own. Every right. This and that, blah, blah, blah. Right. 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 And, you know, like I said, and then it would just start over and over. And and the reason I bring this up is to tie this all together. And that is, is that when you look in the mirror, you equate your success with how you look physically. Yeah. Right. So as long as I look good on the outside, I'll be doing heroin in the bathroom. I'll be doing this over here. I'll be drinking all day long. Because if I still look good, I don't have a problem. Yeah. And so it's like when I looked in that window that day, that storefront window, and saw that like I was a skeleton of a human being. Yeah. That, that like I had to go. Uh oh. Yeah. The drugs are winning, not yes. me anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But the minute I looked in that window again, and I looked, you know, even somewhat healthy, which doesn't take that long for people to right. rebound. I'm like, okay, see, I'm good again. Let's go again. Right. Do it different. Right. Right. This right. time we're not going to do this. We're not going to do this. Mm -hmm. We're just going to do this. Right. right. The old advantage that, you know, that we talk ourselves into. But I think to answer your question, Kim, that was like kind of the big one for me is that 
every time I had looked in the mirror before, I was able to, you know, whatever you want to say, doll myself up enough or, or put on enough clothing or, or, you know, whatever that looked yeah. like to make myself presentable mm-hmm. um, to where I didn't look like that. And that was the first time I had ever looked in there and been like, oh, now everybody knows. Yeah, right? Right, yeah. My, my covers are pulled, you know it's what right, I mean? Yeah, so to speak, like, to there's no hiding it anymore. Yeah. Right? Well, like you said, you were surrounded by things of beauty too. You had this nice house, you had this beautiful wife, right? the barbecue pit, Yeah, all of these things of like, I'm fine. I'm successful. I'm doing what I need to do. This is just kind of something I enjoy on the side until you looked and you're like, I don't have any of that. And I'm not looking so great physically. Yeah. 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 I wanted to know if you could talk more about your mission statement. Cause I thought it was really interesting and talk more about the change that you want the world, like how they, you, you'd like the world to view addicts. I think it'd be really helpful for people to hear. Sure. You know, this is why it's a mission statement, right? Because if I could do this on my own, it wouldn't happen, mm-hmm. right? This is something that, you know, I bring God into. This is something that, you know, like, I don't know if this will ever change in my life, but it's something that I started, right, for my, for me in order to have something so big that I know that I couldn't do it on my own. I have to bring God into it, that I have to, like, let things play out. But um, kind of like to give you a great example of this, like, so – I love the city of New Orleans, right? I always have. I went there as a teenager. I fell in love with it. You, you know, the music, the food, mm-hmm. the ambiance, everything like that. And I have spent a lot of time there. And and part of my recovery story is, is so 10 years after that story that I just shared with you about the the day of poop and, mm-hmm. and all this other stuff, 10 years later, I'm in a room in Las Vegas with the blanket up over the window I'm addicted to heroin and Oxycontin again. Mm-hmm. Ten years later, I lost my job as a firefighter, lost all this other stuff due to my drinking. And now I'm in Las Vegas and, you know, I'm literally like taking a shot of vodka, throwing up in a bucket next to my bed, taking a shot of vodka, throwing up next to a bucket in my bed. Hopefully the third one would stay down. I would snort half an 80 Oxycontin, smoke a little bit of weed and lay in the fetal position for five minutes and 27 seconds to five minutes and 31 se- seconds mm-hmm. every single morning in order just to pull the sheets back up over, or they're not even the sheet, I didn't have a sheet, to pull the cover over myself and get out of bed every morning, right? Mm-hmm. This is 10 years after I've been trying to get sober, right? right? So this is how hard it is for me. If you're listening and, like, you think, like, you don't have it in you, that was me at 10 years, right? So I got sober, came on fire for all this other stuff, and then here I am at the rock bottom, right? Until the day of the Super Bowl, February 7, 2010, and I'm a Saints fan, been a Saints fan for since, you know, like I said, since I first went to Rose at 17, now I'm, like, 40, and... And I'm getting all these buzzing. My phone's buzzing, right? And I'm like, oh, no, it's the people that I owe money to. I'm living in Vegas. I owe some drug dealers a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Uh, these things aren't looking good for me, and I don't want to look at my phone. And finally, around like 1130 in the morning, I look at my phone, and it, instead of all these drug dealers, it was people that I knew saying, hey, congratulations. The Saints are in the Super Bowl today. Good luck. And I'm like, what? Mm-hmm. Oh, you no. had no idea. Like, I'm so out of it. Like, I have a Saints tattoo on my forearm, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and I don't even know that my team's in the Super Bowl. And, and I look across the room, which is about 15 feet away in my closet, and I got my Saints jersey hanging up, do some college right? I'm like, I got to put on the jersey. I try to get out of bed. I'm so physically sick from drugs and alcohol that I fall on the floor, and I cannot move. Like like the old person in that, that little thing, help, I can't get up. Yeah. That was me, right? Yeah. And I just remember starting to wail, right? Like sob, uncontrolled, like, I can't believe that I am such a loser. Like after I already gotten sober and I'm 10 years later, 
Like at 40 years old, I'm laying in a puddle on the floor mm-hmm. and I can't even get to my jersey to watch a stupid Super Bowl. Yeah. And I'm just beside myself with anger, right? And yeah. tears. And and the reason I bring that up is so halfway fourth quarter, right? All of a sudden in the game, I, I make it to the gas station, literally wearing running shorts and a black leather trench coat, no shoes, no shirt. I buy three cans of malt liquor with the last five dollars that I got in change. Oh my god. <laughs> what a picture of beauty. I look like the guy from the what's that, the Matrix, but like like half naked, like and, and like buying ice house cans of malt liquor, right? Like, I'm I'm like I'm such a celebrity, it's ridiculous, right? <laughs> in my own head everybody's like that guy might need to go to the hospital you know <laughs> and so the point is so i go back and, and as i'm i'm drinking and trying to make through the game and, and i'm celebrating and i'm like looking around my room surrounded by trash and cigarette butts and all this stuff and like an addict's room looks like and i'm like how could you know this should be the best day of my life and it's not mm-hmm. and halfway through the fourth quarter i say to myself hey you know what god if you're still there somewhere and i don't even know where you're at I said, here's what happened. I'll make you a deal. If you let the Saints win the Super Bowl, <laughs> I'll get sober again, and I'll turn my life around. And if they don't, then this is it. Take my life because I'm, I'm not living like this anymore, right? Wow. And and this was after so many different suicide notes I'd written and all this stuff. And I'm just, you know, I'm literally at another rock bottom years and years later. Again. Right, again. Yeah. And, and all of a sudden, like, there was an interception, and this and this happened. And five minutes later, 20 minutes later, the Saints won the Super Bowl. And then I'm petrified because I'm like, oh, my God, what am I going to do? Like, mm. I made a deal with God. And, like, and he came through. Like, now it's my turn. Like, and I don't know how to come through. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I don't have that kind of power. I can't, I can't even make it over to the closet to get my jersey. <laughs> and all of a sudden, I'm starting to deal with the big man. And and then what happened was is that there was a, uh, a video of Hurricane Katrina. Mm. And it showed all these people that had done absolutely nothing wrong in their life. Devastated, right? Walking through the city of New Orleans with you know, up to chest deep water, there's sewage, there's dead bodies floating by, there's dead dogs floating by, and these people did nothing. And it showed them then on Super Bowl day, after they had rebuilt the city and they were all, you know, like everybody had come back and come together. And I'm like, you know what? I did this to myself, Yeah. right? Mm-hmm. I did this to myself. Like nobody gave me heroin, nobody, like I yeah. did this to myself. And if these people can come back, I can come back, right? Yeah. And so I did, and, and the reason I share the story is to talk about what you're talking about, how you change the way the world views addicts. That was me in 2010, right? Mm-hmm. Now here we are in 2020, and I just got an email from the governor of Louisiana on Thursday to hopefully, you know, we're still working it out, but to be part of a group of people to revitalize the French Quarter, <gasps> right, in New Orleans. Like, That's so, cool. Like, how do you turn that, right? Like, I get goosebumps just saying it right now. Yeah. Because that is like, here's somebody that, like, I love New Orleans, I love the city of New Orleans, I live in San Diego, and all of a sudden, like, I was this, like, you know, almost junk this whole person. And now all of a sudden, like, the governor, right? That's the lieutenant so governor cool. is like, hey, listen, I think you might actually be able to help us out. Revitalize all these people because they're hurting. Like, you were hurt and this and that. I'm like, wow, that's crazy. Like, that's really cool. That's like a whole lifetime of experience. All the times you're homeless. All the times you played music to nobody that listened. All the times you worked in restaurants and didn't make enough money. All the times you looked in the mirror and you didn't like who you saw. All the times you just wanted a better life. All the times, you know. That over and over that you helped other people and nobody helped you. All the times you weren't seen, all the times you weren't heard, all the times you weren't appreciated. What if you knew at the end of it somehow God was going to take that and put you to revitalize a city? Who knows what how many lives that changes? That's right? awesome. And, and that doesn't include everything else that you do in your life. Yeah. That's just like one project. Like, like if you looked at like if I knew that like back on Super Bowl day, I'd have jumped out of that bed and started doing jumping jacks. Am I right? I've yes. probably done some burpees, the hardest thing. You know, as a fitness person, <laughs> yeah. burpees are even like healthier, those things are hard. I've probably been doing those, right? Dose check, falling all over the place, but I broke my ankle. Yeah. But I would have done it if I would have known 
that that is yeah. what happens is that the amount of pain and anguish and all the people I had hurt and all the things I'd done to myself and all that lack of love, human love, connection, and support that I had created my whole life could be put together if you do the work on yourself in order to help not just the city, but just to help literally hundreds of thousands of people yeah. that are going to come through and do that type of work. What Would that be enough to inspire you? I love that. I love that. because I, I think I even said that last week. If I had known we are that voice saying, this is not the end of your story. I mean, that's the whole point of this. I love that you say that. Like if somebody could have told you that day on the floor in that apartment that this was coming later. So like, that's what we're doing. I'm, mm-hmm. That's what I'm trying to do now, you know? And, and, and a big part of that, and, and Kim more specifically to answer that is like, how do we change the world, the way the world views acts? Like I had to start somewhere, you mm-hmm. know, and you know where I started this whole process at the boys and girls club, mm-hmm. right? Like at the boys and girls club on a Tuesday afternoon between three and five o'clock, I would play connect four with 10 like Hispanic children that didn't really even speak English. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and it's like, that wasn't what I thought I was signing up for, but that's where God put me. Right. And it's like, it just teaches you like how to sit still, mm-hmm. right? Like, Oh, okay. These kids, these kids don't know who I am. Yeah. Right. They like, you know, like they were like, okay, here's Mr. Chris. He's a heroin addict. Everybody come down around connect for like, they're like, no, here's Chris. He's a volunteer. He seems like a nice guy. He passed the background check, yeah. whatever that looks like. Right. Yeah. And, and then throughout that process is like that started that. And then I started baking. Right. I started this whole, I had a company called buns and roses baking company. Right. I remember where I started baking cakes in a sober living. I was a manager of sober living and I started baking for the, the guys that lived there mm-hmm. for they get, you know, birthday stuff. And then I started baking for AA meetings and then that turned into a business, but it's just crazy to see that if you do the right These thing the and also the things that you don't see that maybe you as a gift, right? It's like, what do you let God actually work through you to give a gift, right? Like you don't know. And it's like by your giving, right? By your service to other people, by your faith, yeah. right? Higher, you know, when you get all those things together, then you say, Thy will not mine be done. And yeah. where do I get led to that? Right. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, like one day you go from having two bikes in the studio to having eight. And you're like, right. wow, how did that happen? Right. And then all of a sudden there's like this. And then all of a sudden people call and say, hey, we want to do a class like this. And you're like, okay, great. And then, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's it's like, you know, but you look back, you're like, okay, that's like six years of really hard work. Right. Yes. And, and for yeah. me, it was, you know, that whole thing turned, for me, it turned into cupcakes to cakes to speaking yeah. to turning into a program to help at risk kids to speaking in high schools to become a motivational public speaker. Yeah writing a book to you know so i have people i say how'd you get to do that i said you know how i got to be a motivational public speaker so i said well because i used to go to meetings where there would only be five people and you had an hour so you had to speak for yeah. five, 10 minutes so i got to be really good at telling my story mm-hmm. and then i started baking cupcakes yeah and then people love my cupcakes so that means that more people heard about me yeah and then you know and that and that's how i got to be where i'm at today right yeah. but you don't really look at going to 12-step meetings and baking cupcakes to as like launching your life yeah <laughs> yeah right no that's true that's so true. you know it's, it's working on a, on a project yeah. to revitalize the french quarter you know what i mean <laughs> that's like so you, cool. you I wouldn't can't picture that, that. That's so awesome. by doing a cupcake and, and sharing like Whoa. yeah I got 18 days sober, feel a little bit shaky. I don't know if we have a cigarette break already. <laughs> so we want to get back to the, the premise of the show is hearing what you learned from that story um, and how you're using it today. Yeah, so I definitely would say that the, the biggest thing that I learned is no matter how low you go, you can always get it. You know, you can always come back from that, mm-hmm. you know, looking back now, like when I look at, you know, I mean, and we kind of hear this in everything, personal development from Tony Robbins all the way to church, 
you know, I hear a lot of pastors talk about this and also in recovery is that, you know, typically at your worst moment, typically turns out to be the biggest growth thing in your life or the thing that helps you accomplish a lot of other things in my life. Right. Mm -hmm. So for me, it was that, that was the biggest thing was knowing that no matter that degradation, I guess I could say has now inspired me to be able to help people from skid row to the stock market, right? Like I'm not afraid to go to skid row and talk to people. And I'm also not afraid to go to, you know, people that are worth millions and millions of dollars and talk to them about the same problem because it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's kind of the one thing that, that made me realize like no matter where I'm at in my life, I can still feel that way and still need to work on myself because nothing else. It's not the external, right. It's the internal right. that really helped out. But, and then as far as like from the recovery aspect, you know, the hardest thing for me, honestly, to learn in recovery. And I really hope this is kind of, if you've been listening to anything that you really pay attention to this, is that you have to give yourself a break and you have to be patient. It's like anything that is addictive is so quick to fix, mm-hmm. you know, like whether or not it's a pill, shot of heroin, uh, sex, uh, cookie, wh- whatever that looks like. It, you know, it releases that dopamine in a heartbeat and gets you the desired effect. And then it's the afterwards that guilt and shame when that creeps in or that, that coming down that is the part that's unfathomable. Whereas recovery is the opposite. It's almost like the dyslexic version where it takes a little bit longer, but then it lasts forever. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you really, it's like, you know, if you can get that 90 days and what you learn in that 90 days, like the, the higher power that I have today, you know, the God that I have in my life today, it took me maybe, you know, almost six months to get in the beginning, but yet in five and a half years, it has taken me like into places that I never would have even thought that a, I deserve to be, or right. that I ever even could be right? right. Because I'm not responsible. I'm, I'm responsible for my actions. I'm not responsible for what happens with that. Right. right. Mm-hmm. And you know, one of the things that I always hear people say that I always like to disagree with, well, many things I'm, I'm kind of an instigator, with that, <laughs> but you know, you hear a lot of people say like, Oh, God never gives you more than you can handle. Right. And I'll say that's like the most untrue statement ever. He always gives you more than you can handle because if he didn't, then you wouldn't need him. You know, ah. it's like if you, if he gave you all you can handle, then you don't need him. Mm-hmm. Right. And if you don't have that connection, then you're not going anywhere. Right. And I don't care who you talk to. I'm That's not, interesting. Not I love know, that. coming off as a, as a preacher here. I'm just stating a simple fact. If we look at people that are the most successful internally and externally, they all have a faith, right? They all believe in, in God or they have some kind of spiritual connection right, to the creator, to God, and things like that. And and that was really what I would say the most important is, like, if you don't have, I would say, you know, you'll hear me if I speak in a meeting, I would say, you know, when I got here, I had big problems and a small God. Today, I got a big God. I got small problems, mm-hmm. right? And, and, and that really, that dynamic has helped me out immensely in anything that I do. I love that. I think that's so true because for me, I was so arrogant and I believed in my own level of intelligence if I had actually, cause I tried, you know, some of my story for 15 years yeah. and literally could never do it, could never get it done. And if I had gotten sober, even one day sooner than I did, I would have thought it was because of me, Yeah. but I cannot in any way say that it was because of me. I can literally only say that God did it for me in the end because I tried everything else. And I actually think that that's true. And I think that that's part of how God works. Yeah. You, 
I think you you have to get to the point where there is nothing left in you believes that believes that it was you because that's the real message of hope and recovery, right? And, and things like this happen all the time. Like yeah. even last year, right? I I had been working for a specific treatment center, and then uh, my time there had ended, and it was mutual. It was fine. And then I I was on unemployment for a couple months, and so I was at a camp helping out kids because I love to work with kids, and my main vision i guess in life would be to own my own kids camp or yeah. not just my own kids camp and own my own camp but kids would be a big part of it right yeah. and so doing that was great right and i literally got yeah. back on a thursday from camp and i had two weeks of unemployment left right that was it and i got back on a thursday and i was like oh man i gotta get a job and i only got two weeks like i should have been paying more attention right? i should have been more proactive right and you know, I had my, my counseling certification, all that kind of stuff, the substance abuse. And, and so I was like, you know, that now I was like, okay, God, you know what? Time for a job, whatever you got, let's do it. Right. And literally Friday at one o'clock, right. So this is Thursday at like 10 o'clock at night, Friday at one o'clock, I get a call from some guy that I don't even know. Right. And turns out I had met him before, but uh, we weren't tight. Yeah. And he says, Hey, listen, I run this, uh, you know, I run this treatment center or whatever. And I've heard you speak numerous times and I love this. He said, I heard, uh, you know, a rumor that you were actually a substance abuse counselor. Is that true? I said, yeah. He says, would you be on, would you want to work for me? I said, what? I don't know. Let me think about it. And I'm like, no, what am I talking about? There's nothing to think about. Right, yeah. Right. Let's see if it'll work. Right. right yeah. And, and by Tuesday I had started. Right. So like I didn't even touch the computer. Yeah. Right. I prayed on a Thursday night. On a Friday, I got a call from a guy that I don't even really know. Right. Saying, hey, you want this job? Here you go. Right. right? And then right. I started working. And I've worked there for a while. But right. Like I, That's cool. I, I, like right? that. I, I, t I cannot take any credit for that. I, I think going over that and pointing that out again always helps me now too. Cause mm -hmm. obviously, you know, like with my, you know, the studio, it's stressful and, you know, reminding myself to get back into faith, you know? Yeah. So, okay. So thank you again, Chris, so much for being here. And before we sign off, where can everybody find you? Plug all your stuff. Okay. Let's see here. Um, so first thing I guess is you can follow me on Instagram at number one Hope Dealer. That's just like the number one actually Hope Dealer. Chris Stewart is the name. Uh, I have a YouTube channel. It's under the Restoration Revival Show. That's a 12-week uh, course that I'm doing on spiritual and emotional restoration. It's live every Sunday night at 6, but then you can obviously watch the episodes on that. Uh, you can find me on Facebook under Chris Stewart as well. Uh, and that has about 50 episodes of my Imagine Freedom show. So that one deals more with addiction and personal development. Uh, I have a number one best-selling book on Amazon called Prayers, Punk Rock, and Pastry. Um, and you can find that under that title or under my name as well. Um, and other than that, I think that's about all I got going on right now, which is plenty. But it's uh, a lot. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We'll keep us updated on the revival of the French Quarter, too. Yeah. I love the French Quarter. Absolutely. I kind of wanted to go to Tulane. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I was looking at it. I was looking at it, so. Um, I can't so wait. Much. I'm super excited for that. Yeah, that's awesome. We'll see what happens with that. So that's lots cool. of lots of big projects coming in. And actually, you brought up the gym, which reminded me of a part that we always try to do with our guests also, which is fitness in recovery. Oh, yeah. Do you work out? What is the importance of that? And I'm glad you brought that up because it's very important. Uh, you know, my four pillars are spirituality, recovery, personal development, and health and fitness. Yes. So okay. those four things are, are what I do personally and how those interact. Um, but the other thing is physical fitness is so important and you, you have to do it if you're in recovery. I agree. You I agree. I agree. It, and that's I mean, kind of where we're taking this show. It too. does so many different things that you don't even know. One, it releases endorphins. 
Um, the other thing is, is the number one cure for depression that most people don't even know about is actually physical exercise, right? Yeah. And that's by Harvard Law School. That isn't from Chris. Yep. That's not yep, from that's Janine. That's not our theory. That's, that's, yeah, that's proven scientific fact. Neuroscience. You know, if you want to not be depressed, exercise. That's yes. it. It doesn't matter what kind it is. You don't have to necessarily be like some kind of crazy CrossFit person. You have to get exercise, you know, five, six times a week, 20 minutes a piece. So what walking, do you do? Exercise. What do you do personally? So what I do is I work out five to six days a week. I work out so hard my shoes fall off because that's what I like to do, okay. literally. So I, uh, I go in. I do stationary bike for about 20 minutes. I okay. get about eight miles in in that 20 minutes. Okay. Uh, and then I do a combination of different weight sets, uh, abs and stuff, and stretching uh, and, and, and that too as well because, okay. you know, getting a little bit older, you got to make sure you keep, keep stretching. Yeah, yeah, right. And like, okay. I have like a little roller foam thing that I do for back and stuff like okay, that. Cool. I do that every awesome. day. Awesome. Um, but yeah, I, I love to work out. I work out every day yeah, pretty much. I think it's really um, key. And then last question. Somebody has 30 days, 20 days, one quick actionable tip that you would recommend in early recovery, 20, 30 days. One, what's, what's one thing you could say right now? Bam, yeah. You got to do it. The, the one thing I would definitely say is the, you know, for me is prayer and meditation and, and what that looks like is, you know, and I would say a lot of people confuse prayer and meditation with that. You got to be like some kind of Joel Olstein guy to pray, or you got to be some kind of like Buddha or, you know, Deepak Chopra to meditate. I'm like, I'll make it real simple. If you've ever been in a car and had a cop pull behind you and you say, dear God, don't go, don't let me get pulled over. You know how to pray. Yeah. If you've ever been dope sick or any kind of drug sick and laid on the, the cold tile of the bathroom floor, with your face and just pray, please don't let me move because things are coming out of my body. I can't <laughs> control anymore. Congratulations on how to meditate. So I just gave you prayer and meditation okay. to save your life. You're welcome. <laughs> the The thing about it is though, is like literally all you have to do is sit still and breathe. And the easiest way to do that is inhale for four, hold it for two, exhale for six. Do that for one minute a day. Say the serenity prayer, say the Lord's prayer anything like that. That's Perfect. it. It's a conscious contact. Only each one of those things takes one minute each. Right. Okay. So I just, for two minutes a day, that would be one. the biggest thing that you can do for yourself right now, honestly. And you can learn more along the way with those two things for sure. Perfect. Are the biggest things. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much, Chris. This was really fun. My pleasure. I appreciate it so much. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on the show. Keep doing what you do. You're awesome. Thanks guys. Okay guys. So we will check in with you again in another two Thursdays from now. Thank you for listening. You can always find us. The Instagram for the show is at chasing heroin, heroin with an E or my personal Instagram at Janine Coulter. And if you guys have any questions or any comments about the show so far, let me know. Also 12 step yoga, chasing If you want to pick up with that. And there's a form there too, that you can fill out if you guys have any questions. So thank you so much.